Welcome. <laughs> it is a great day to be alive, let me tell you that. We are so happy you guys are here. Guys, it's Sunday morning. This is the best morning of the week. Like, let's get real here, okay? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you're here. My name is Jake. I'm the weird youth pastor here, and uh, we are so happy you're here. You guys ready to get rolling today? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. John 20, 24 through 29. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, also known as the twin. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in. Yeah, you heard that right. The doors were locked, and Jesus still came in. And he stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach your hand out. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus, hi. <laughs> we are so blessed to be here, and we want to thank you that you even give us this opportunity to be here, to learn about you and who you are and your goodness and what you have for humanity. It is truly the good news that you died and you were resurrected to give us new life. You took the place of our death so that we could live eternally with you, starting from the day that we say yes to your call. Lord, today, just let it be yours. Let it be your word. Let it be all the focus directed towards you, God. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Thomas. Thomas. If you've been to church any length of time, you've heard the name Thomas. And it usually, sadly, and we're going to get into that, does not come with a good connotation. But though we're going to hit on Thomas a little bit, this sermon is not about Thomas. But we'll get to that. But I have a question for you guys. Raise your hand if you've ever had an embarrassing moment in your life. Okay. If you never did, I'm sorry, you have not lived and you are a hermit and live under a rock. I had a moment probably about seven years ago. Now, some of you who know me know my story. They know this super embarrassing moment. Seven years ago, I started at a contracting business. It was back in the spring. And there was this hailstorm that came by, and I had my very first sale. I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to Menominee, Michigan, going for my first sale. It was awesome. And at the time, I didn't have a ladder. Now, if you need to get on a roof, I can't use a trampoline, all right? You need a ladder. You can try a trampoline. I don't recommend it, um, but you need a ladder. I had a guy who I worked with. He had a ladder. He was like, hey, you can use mine. I was like, sweet, awesome, thank you. Now, I have never used said ladder before. Now, if you know anything about ladders, it was one of those like aluminum ones. They're probably about this, this long, but they're like a three-tier stack. So you go, sing, 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 and then you grab the next stack and you go, sing, 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 to try and like get them up. And it extends actually pretty long. You can get on a lot of good roofs. Well, once again, I have never used said ladder. So here I go. I'm going off to Menominee, Michigan, going on my first sale. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm amped. I think this was back in 2015, I believe. 
And I get to the homeowner's house, give him my spiel, you know, here's what I'm doing, gonna go check this out, and all of a sudden, I, I go and I grab my ladder. S sometimes, and especially when it's your first sale, and you got the homeowner watching you like a hawk, you're sweating. I was sweating. I've never used this ladder, okay? Now, if you know anything about ladders, they have these hooks on them, okay? Now, the bottom part of the hook, they're flexible. That's to help get them up, get them down, all right? But the top part of the hooks are the hook part that need to be hooked in. So I grab my ladder, I'm going, I, I put it up against it, I'm starting to, starting to get it going. I kind of froze. I'm like, I've never seen this before. What is happening? Oh, don't worry, the hooks were normal. This was on me. So I like get up and the homeowner's like watching me and I'm like looking, I'm like, now if you, once again, you know anything about ladders, if this part of the ladder is on the rung, your ladder ain't locked in, just so you're aware. Okay, I don't know if you knew that or not, but I get it up and it kind of sets there. I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and, and I get up there, I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. I think we're, and, he, and the homeowner, I kid you not, he's like, uh, I don't know if that's, I mean, he's trying to be like polite, but he's also like, this guy's an idiot. And, and he's like, I don't know if it's, I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're, I think we're okay. All right. And he's just watching me. So here I go, take the climb. The moment I get on that, Oh, and my foot gets jammed in the ladder. Okay, now guys, all my weight is coming down on that ladder. I can't move. All right, I'm, I'm stuck. So here I am practically hanging by his gutter with my, with my foot jammed in the ladder. Like, guys, if he wasn't there, I'm, I think my only way out is if I were to, like, tip, tip forward and, like, get my leg out. He grabs his broomstick, puts his broomstick in the ladder, pries it up a little bit, so I can get my foot in. I, like, jumped off. I was like... To make matters worse, instead of just saying like, hey, this was my first time using the ladder. I really appreciate the help. No, to make matters worse, I go, whoa, never had that happen before. <laughs> it was my first time using the ladder, guys. Of course I've never had it happen before. And thought I could play it off and act it cool. Um, needless to say, I did not get the sale. And he never wanted to talk to me ever again. So... That was my very first sale, and I will never forget that. So, life is embarrassing. Enjoy it. All right. There is something interesting about Thomas. Thomas had one of these embarrassing moments. And it's kind of interesting because if you go into what people call Thomas, they call him Doubting Thomas. He had this lapse, this moment lapse where he doubted the resurrected Christ and somehow into 2022, people still know him as Doubting Thomas. What makes this worse, guys, my situation, I didn't even have a camera on me, okay? You guys only know because I told you, all right? Thomas was written in the eternal book, all right? I mean, this was, he's got the super, this wasn't just like some little novel Thomas got written about. No, this is in the Bible, okay? This is the supernatural book, and Thomas's story lives strong today in 2022, and people know him as Doubting Thomas. What I find interesting about Doubting Thomas is when you actually look at his track record, he was incredibly loyal. We see that in John 11. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, there it is again, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. 
Now, it might look like Thomas was one of those skeptics, kind of like one of those, man, must be a real glass half empty type of guy, huh? And, and, and maybe you could look at that and say that, but the thing is, Thomas knew they were actually going into dangerous territory. They knew if they were to show their faces, they could actually be killed. What's interesting about this, though, as they go, he wasn't going to let that stop him from following his Lord. He's like, I'm ready to go to the death for Jesus. So if Jesus says we're going to see Lazarus, we're going to see Lazarus. And he was incredibly loyal. And history would tell us that one day Thomas would go to the death for Jesus. So why do we call him Doubting Thomas? How does, how does one moment, all of a sudden, he gets this label slapped on him that stays through our culture? Now, we got to remember, the Bible didn't call him Doubting Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. What's interesting is that we are so quick to allow our failures to determine our identity. Moreover, we're so quick to point the finger at somebody else's failures and make that how you remember them by. How bad would that be in your life? Now, y'all, you raised your hand. I know you got embarrassing moments, okay? Now, imagine if you took your most embarrassing moment in your life and you had to be labeled by that for the rest of your life. Now, imagine that you guys are, okay, have you guys ever been on Facebook? So you guys know those things where it's like, hey, find your birthday and your birth month and all that and then put them together and then that's like your famous actor. You know, hey, Brad Pitt. Oh, cool, August 18th, awesome. You guys, ever, come on, I know, I know you guys have taken part in those before, okay? It's like, hey, let's see what August 18th says. All right, Celine Dion, wait, what? All right, so. But imagine if you had to take your most embarrassing moment. Doesn't matter all the other good that you've done. Doesn't matter all the lives you've changed and the things you've done, but all of a sudden it's like, nope, you had that one moment. Ladder Jake, that's who you are. That's who you're going to be. Ladder Jake. Actually, Jake from State Farm is my most common. Um, no, I kid you not. Like, I can't tell you how many people come. And I also work with insurance companies where they call me Jake. I'm like, no, I'm, I am a contractor, okay? Yeah, it's us Jakes. If there's any Jakes in the room, I'm here for you. Please know that. You can talk to me after, okay? We'll, we'll talk together. I actually ran into a guy, um, actually from American Family, who knew the Jake from State Farm, like the original Jake from State Farm. Kid you not. So he was down in Illinois in Bloomington, and yeah, he, it, was, it was nuts. I'm telling you, it was pretty awesome. I was like, I'm kind of famous through that. That's great. You know the original Jake from State Farm? I, I was geeking out a little bit, just because. Just, just Khakis. So, this word doubt, doubt, we hear it a lot, we tend to associate it with a lot, it's doubt. Doubt is one of the enemy's main tactics that he likes to start with, it's doubt. God, his heart, he wants you to be full of faith. He wants you to be full of faith so you can see mountains moved, healings take place, the dead restored, the dead raised. And lives changed. God wants that for your life. He wants you to be in faith. Satan, on the other hand, wants the complete opposite. He wants you to be in doubt. It's interesting because death actually entered this world and it started with doubt. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more cunning than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say 
<laughs> did God really say you must not eat from that tree in the garden? Did he, did he, did he really? You sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you heard him right? Did you get his voice right in that part? He put doubt in Eve's mind as to the goodness of God. Eve entertains that thought long enough before you know it. She eats of the fruit. Death enters the world. Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You have the first Adam, you have the second Adam. The first Adam, death reigned. The second Adam, Jesus, life reigned. That's how life came in, and the enemy knows that, and that's why he tried to instill doubt even into Jesus. In Matthew 4, 6, it says, <clears throat> if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift, up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But what's interesting is right before that, in Matthew 3, 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son. This is God speaking this over Jesus. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. With him I am well pleased. So you have Matthew 3, 17, but then right after Matthew 3, 17, we see, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we have Jesus gets baptized God comes out, he says, this is my son. He tears open the heavens, said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then right after, he's like, all right, now go into the wilderness. Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, there's a lot that you can do and talk about this whole leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here's what I will say. <clears throat> and that's a conversation for another day, obviously. But here's what I will say. Anytime that you get led into a situation, you get led into a circumstance that's going to bring a trial. It's never, as a follower of Christ, it is never from God to defeat you. It is always so that you can go win. It's always so that you can defeat that situation so you can bring glory to God to increase his kingdom and to smash hell for a living. Every single time. He would not have sent Jesus in, especially after just saying, man, this is my son and I love him. He would never have sent him in to destroy him. He knew Jesus was going to go in and destroy Satan. And that's the same thing for you and me. But what's also interesting, catches my eye, is that the time that God says, this is my son, he speaks his identity over him. And then the next time we hear about identity, the enemy is trying to tear it down. That's how we see it in the account. So that makes me ask the question for all of us, how many times have you had a word given to you by God? You know it's God. He made it very clear. The writing was on the wall, as they say. You're pumped, you're motivated, you're excited, but then all of a sudden doubt creeps in. And something that you knew God had totally planned for you that was going to change the trajectory of your life you allow doubt to creep in, and now years have gone by, and you're still not walking in what you knew God called you to years ago. God wants you to be filled with faith. Satan wants you to be filled with doubt. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. God says we have to come to him and say, okay, I believe you exist, and I also believe that me coming to you, you're going to reward me for that, for coming to you, and that it's for those who earnestly seek him. You seek him wholeheartedly, you get him. He says, I'm here, I'm ready. He's just waiting. We've all been there. We've all doubted. If you've never doubted in your life, I doubt that. Now, is all doubt bad? Is every single time there's a doubt bad? No, not necessarily. That's not the doubt I'm talking about, but not necessarily. You can doubt anybody brings anything to you. There should be a little bit of a, a skeptic there. That's okay. You don't just believe everything somebody's telling you. The doubt that I'm talking about is the doubt that crushes faith. The doubt that doesn't see mountains moved. The doubt that, that questions the integrity and the goodness of God. That's the doubt that I'm talking about. God has not called us to that doubt. Yes, innocent as doves and wise as serpents, absolutely. There's a good skepticism, but this is not that. Thomas was honest. He was real. He was kind of like we saw like with Peter. Peter just kind of would shoot his mouth. Didn't even know what he was saying half the time. But Jesus still went to Thomas and said, why doubt? Believe. One of the biggest issues that we get ourselves into when we doubt is it starts off as just a little seed. That's all it is. It just, it, it's a real, sometimes fleeting thought, but then sometimes it comes back and then we entertain it a little bit. And in James it says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's lured away and enticed. Then after death has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is full grown, when it gets out of its diapers, it gives birth to death. It starts out as a seed, grows into diapers. Before you know it, it brings death. It starts as a thought. <clears throat> It would never come out here if it didn't first start up here. If it didn't start growing in here first. You don't just do an action that never first popped in the, in the head first. So, but then from there, when it starts from a thought, then it moves into a desire. And then from that desire, you start to act on that desire. Usually you start to act on the desire internally, and then it starts to become external. Then as it gets further, and it really doesn't get checked, then it leads to death. But it all starts as just a little seed. And I think one of the worst things from when that initial seed comes in, we have some thoughts like this. Maybe this is you. Well, no one else is going what I'm going through. Man, I must be, there must be something wrong with me, the fact that I'm actually going through this hard time. The, why, oh, man, I, I'm a Christian. Like, why would that? I'm not supposed to think that. That's not supposed to pop in my mind. And all of a sudden you think there's nobody that would even understand what I'm going through. My thoughts are so twisted and, and, and sick, and you start getting in this thing, and all of a sudden, before you know it, all you're doing is focusing on that temptation, on what is a little tiny seed, and we put so much focus on it, before you know it, it starts to turn into a desire. Before you know it, that desire, it still gets unchecked, and it starts to turn into an action, internal. It starts to get external. Eventually, you get down the process, it leads to death. 1 Peter 4.12, I love it. 
the Bible is so rich in its wisdom and everything that God has. It is so good. Because we, he, Peter, Holy Spirit, through Peter, knew that these questions would be asked. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Don't be shocked. Don't think, wow, why me? As though something strange and weird were happening to you. As in like you're an anomaly. No, don't be shocked. What happens is we get shocked. We get surprised. We think, not me. Couldn't happen to me. I'm invincible though. Why me? But then what happens is we allow our thoughts to now become who we are, to become our identity. Now, instead of taking the truth that God has given us, now we're thinking, well, the fact that I'm having that type of thought, like maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe, that, maybe I was born that way. Maybe I was destined to be like that. But God would say otherwise. But it starts as a seed. It gets bigger. We don't check it at the door. It gets worse and worse and worse. Your temptations are not your identity. If they were, then we would have to use the same argument with Jesus. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in all, some things or all things? All things. Tempted in all all things just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Tempted in all things just as you and I are, but he didn't sin. Okay, so Jesus, we know, went through temptations. So would you take the temptations that Jesus had if he was tempted in all things and associate that to his identity? Obviously not. That's ludicrous. But yet we do that with us. I'm going through this so therefore, and God's like, wait a second, I, I didn't say that about you. I said this about you. I said you're pure, righteous, and blameless if you follow me. That's what I said about you in Colossians. I said you're my son and you're my daughter. That's what I say about you. Jesus never sinned and there was nothing wrong with Jesus. The fact that Jesus went through this temptation, it was actually what was right with him. Satan, we only see three accounts in that part, but then it says later that Satan is like, I'm going to come back for another opportune time to be able to tempt you. So he, he threw everything. I mean, if, if, if you're the enemy and you know that your head's going to get stomped on and you're going to lose and all of your hard work's going to go to hell, then yeah, you're going to throw everything you can at Jesus to get him to stumble. Seems like the logical thing to do. And in our quest to defeat this doubt, to defeat these temptations, we focus on the temptation. That's the wrong place to put your focus. Because what happens is then it leads to more doubt. It leads to more justification. It leads to, uh, ooh, okay, what seemed like a really sick thought at first, now, okay, I can get behind it a little. Like, it's a little more normal now because we don't check it. We're not thinking about everybody when we don't accept everybody. There are certain things that you have to be able to recognize and say, no, just no, no. Not even, not even going to entertain it. 
I'm not going to allow that even in my house. Just no. And that seems so closed-minded. But sometimes you have to be to take a hold of what is better. Even sometimes in our prayers to God, we can still focus more on the doubt than we do on God. We focus more on the trial and the temptation than we do on God. And, and, and though I, I love it, that in, and God loves it more importantly, that any type of communication with him, he's like, please, yes, this is awesome, okay? So I'm not knocking that. I'm just, and the Bible gets into this a little later too, we have to check essentially how we're coming to God. I promise, I got some backup for that. It'll help. I'll bring some more clarity. But in our quest to defeat doubt, this is what Colossians said. Because a lot of times what we do, we actually use what's called earthly tools to defeat a spiritual problem. But Colossians helps us with this. It gives us context. It helps us get this back in its rightful place. It says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world... Okay, since you're not of this world system anymore, as though you still belong to the world, why do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Because these rules, they, with their things that they are all destined to perish. They're all destined to perish with use. So they're based on merely human commands and teachings and such regulations, they have the appearance of wisdom. They look good. They feel right. This is the way to combat it. This is fine with their... Their, their appearance of wisdom and their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. They have, they have zero value. So doubt is part of the self-indulgence. Doubt is part of the flesh. Anything that is contrary to God is flesh. God is spirit. Everything contrary to God's spirit is flesh. Doubt is not of God. Okay, he does not give you doubt to doubt his goodness. Obviously, it's contradictory. Now, here's what we need to understand. Colossians 3, which it transitions right into Colossians 3. We got to understand that, guys, when these letters were written, there weren't chapters and verses. I love chapters and verses. Sometimes I'm still pulling out the table of contents. If you're still not doing that, you are a super Christian, and I commend you. But I pull out the table of contents, okay, unless you got your Version Bible app, all right? That's a little easier to navigate around the Bible. I love it. Okay, it's good. Use both. But Colossians 3 is a continuation from the end of Colossians 2. It's, I love, once again, chapters and verses, but that was one of the worst breaks to put in the Bible. I'm just going to say that, okay? Because what it says in Colossians 3, it says, since then. Okay, you don't start a new thought with since then. No, you grab a hold of the past thought, bring it forward, and you say, okay, since then... So you make your claim, these earthly indulgences don't work. So since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, you live by a new set of principles now. You live by a new relationship now. And his relationship is so much better than the old relationship because the old relationship, there is none. Okay, so when you have a new relationship, you are with God, you live by his principles, and you will live in life. I promise you that. God does not make mistakes. When Christ, who is your life, 
I love he throws that in there. When Christ, who is your life, by the way, who, who is life, when he appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. So you want to combat these issues? You focus on him. You focus on his truth. You focus on what he says about you. Even when you don't feel it, which does happen, you have to stand on it and revolve your life around what God says about you. You have to. It's for the sake of your own existence. But here's the promise that God leaves you when you keep your eyes on him. This is what he left for you. This is awesome. I love this. Worship team, you can come up here and play some beautifully soft music. Serenade the crowd. You guys got to listen to this. This is awesome. In 1 Peter 5.10, it says, And the God of all grace, all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, he himself will restore you, he'll make you firm, and he'll make you steadfast. He's going to place you on a solid foundation. And even in the times where it feels like you're not on solid foundation, if Christ is your Lord, you're always on that solid foundation. But I understand it feels good to feel good. Like, I get that. You want to be in a spot where you can actually, like, when you feel like you're on solid foundation, man, you're ready to take on the world. You're like, this is awesome. I'm good. Okay, I got problems. It's all right. But hey, I'm on a solid foundation. This is awesome. And he says that after you've suffered a little while, you keep your hope in him. You keep your trust in him. You keep your eyes fixed on him. He's going to say, all right, here we go. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm personally, God personally is going to come and restore you. And I promise, because he promises, you are going to be stronger than before when you keep your eyes fixed on him. Thing we got to understand, we're going to face temptation. Guys, till the day we die, we will face temptation. But just because that temptation comes at you doesn't mean that's who you are. We have to grasp that because we start to associate that with who we are before we know it. That will start to become our actions. That will start to become our way of life. Every single person in this room has had a sick and twisted temptation. Every single person. And if you don't think you did, you lied. And lying is also a sick and twisted temptation. It's not the fact that you're tempted. Is that what's wrong with you? It's, it's what you do with that temptation will determine the course of your destiny. And it will determine if you actually reigned victorious over that sin or not. It's what you do with it. You either dwell on it and let it grow from a little seed that you could squash right away. <clears throat> you can focus on it and let it grow into death. Or you can grab a hold of what God's truth says right away and apply it to that. Just like Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't. No, I'm moving on. He didn't even focus on it. I'm sure the thought came in because it was sad, so naturally you have to think it to process it. But it just instantly, nope. <clears throat> Don't tempt the Lord your God. I'm on. I'm moving on. Didn't even give it room to breathe. We cannot give our temptations room to breathe. Suffocate them. It's through Christ. The whole crux of this message I need you to hear. This is, this is where I'm... Landing the proverbial plane. Restoration is waiting for you. Healing is waiting for you. 
strength is waiting for you. A firm foundation is waiting for you. It's not running away from you. It's here. It's ready. He's here. He's ready. And he wants to place you on a firm foundation. Restoration is possible. Holy restored. Don't give up. Hold on. Don't grow tired. He's better. 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 God is better. He's better. Don't give up. Today is your day to get back on that firm foundation. Don't give up. I know sometimes we're so quick to throw in the towel, but don't give up. After you suffered for a little while, he will come in and he will restore you. Let him. Some of our biggest faults are not allowing people to help us. Let God help you. I need his help every single day. And if I don't have God's help, I'm nothing. Without him, I am nothing. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time, he can exalt you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, that's good peace, which surpasses all understanding. You can't even fully wrap your mind around his peace. It's supernatural. <laughs> you can't quantify it. You can't put science to God's peace until God created science. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That verse is so good, we gotta go to another translation. It's in the CEB. I love how they put this. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and your petitions along with giving thanks. Thank God. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds safe. Safe in Christ Jesus. I want my heart and my mind to be safe in Christ Jesus. And it's by bringing everything to him. Here you go, God, it's all yours. And I thank you. What would our prayers look like if it said, God, thank you for my trials because guess what? I know you're always with me and you're never gonna leave me and you're always gonna strengthen me. Father, you're amazing and I love how I can trust you no matter what I go through. I never have to question or doubt your goodness. What would our prayers look like to come to God like that? Lord, I don't understand everything, but thank you, God, that through these hard times, I'll see your goodness, I'll see your faithfulness, I'll see your power, I'll see your restoration. Because when I'm weak, I'm actually strong because it's through you, Jesus. And I win 
because you won. What would our prayers look like if that was that? Endure the test. Endure it. Because James says that you can actually consider it pure joy. You can actually be joyful about your temptation. You can be joyful about the stress that comes your way. Because guess what? When you face these trials, you know that this testing is going to produce perseverance. It's going to grow you. It's going to increase you. If you allow Christ to work in your circumstance, it will never, ever, ever lead to death. It always leads to life. And life in all abundance, in all fullness. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and life in its fullest. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who hope in the Lord, guess what? Here it is. They're going to renew their strength. Your strength will be renewed. They'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. And Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened. And you know what he says? He promises he'll give you rest. Jesus, your end goal is rest, restoration, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Everything, God, that is of you, you want us to have. It's all yours. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask if you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord, the Lord, the only Lord, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, if you have never done that, don't leave today without doing that. And it's a simple admission of God, I'm nothing without you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe you died and resurrected three days later. God, I need you. If that is you, you've never given your life to Jesus. I ask that you just raise your hand right now and you want to give your life to Jesus. Can we get our prayer team up here, please? Some staff, leaders, and prayer team, yep, absolutely. We're going to allow some time to just, God, I need you. God, I need you. If you are going through a trial, if you are going through these hard times, if you're going through these temptations, and, and you are wondering what is wrong with you, maybe it's what's right with you. Maybe. Maybe you're following Christ, and all of a sudden it feels worse. Because the enemy's scared. You keep following Jesus and you watch what he does. We're going to allow this time. We have amazing people up front here. Find someone and pray with them, please. We're not meant to do life alone. We do it with our brothers and sisters. We confess what we got going on so they can pray for you. And we see restoration and renewed life. Can we all stand, please? If that's you, please come down to the front. 
please get some prayer. Let's see God work in your life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God, because you're everything. You are everything we need, God. You're everything, God. Jesus, bring healing. Bring restoration. Bring everything of you, God. We need it. We were not designed to do life alone. We need life with you, Jesus. Please, Lord, bring your restoration today. Renewed minds, renewed clarity, God, that we see you for who you really are. The King of Kings, our Redeemer, our Father, our friend. It's in your name, Jesus, that we do all this. Amen.